You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. Welcome to us, Unscripted Stories. My name is Aaron Golding. Um, I use he, him pronouns. I'm a member of the Seneca Nation, and I am your co-host today. With me today is um, Isabel St. Arnold. Isabel, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, as Aaron said, my name is Isabel St. Arnold. Um, I'm a third-year undergrad at Northwestern. I've been interning with Aaron at MSA this quarter. Um, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm Kiwanel Bay Ojibwe, and I'm super excited to be here and to be co-hosting. We're really excited today to welcome Josue Rivas, um, who's an indigenous futurist, creative director, visual storyteller, and educator working at the intersection of art, technology, journalism, and decolonization. His work aims to challenge the mainstream narrative about indigenous peoples, co-create with the community, and serve as a vehicle for collective healing. Um, we're really excited to talk to, with him today about storytelling as an act of healing and as an act of futurism. Um, welcome, Josue. Hey, everybody. Uh, how's, it, how's it going? My name is Josue Rivas. Uh, I'm a Chica in Otomi. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here today. I, I think that uh, it, this is uh, an interesting time to be talking about this. Um, um, my, my father actually just passed away two weeks ago from COVID and um, it's really, yeah, healing and, and using my art and, and my story to, to help myself heal and to help hopefully others heal is, it's become a, a huge, um, theme for, for the last two weeks. So I'm excited to kind of share where I am with that and, um, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully start looking into the future as well. One big thing that I, that I've been going into in the, in the last few few weeks but also just in general in in, in my work and my practices this act of healing through the tools that have often been used against against indigenous peoples um for example in my case i, I use the camera the you know the photographic medium a lot um and and as I'm using this, as I'm, as I'm you know been using this this medium for a few years now, I'm realizing that the same thing that 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 has, in a way, you know, colonized a lot of uh, a lot of our communities can also be the one thing that could allow us to not only f- tell our narrative and reclaim our, our narrative, um, but also reimagine something that could potentially be useful for those people in the future, for those descendants that one day are going to be um, wanting to hear our stories and wanting to understand us at this time. So for me, I think that healing now more than ever is is completely embedded in into my practice. And more importantly, I think that it's it's something that everybody could have access to. I think that not only making images and, and making videos at this moment where, you know, we're saturated with so much media, but I think that also um, intentionally thinking of how we made those things and, and, and how we want those things to resonate through time. That's really important. Um, personally, I've, you know, I've been using a lot of, um, a lot of social media platforms to, to kind of like 
understand more of what that looks like, right? So what does it look like for, you know, we have a snapshot of indigenous peoples on TikTok right now, for example, what would that look like, right? Like what, what, what are people saying? What are they sharing about their lives and what are they sharing about their, you know, their own perspectives and their own narratives. And, and what I'm finding is that um, everybody, especially indigenous peoples have a desire to not only share their stories and not only to, to show people who they are, but to also um, re reshape the, the the stereotypes that have been created by the, by the these same tools by these you know medium tools. So um, I think that it's really important, at least in my practice, to have a sense of commitment to that, a sense of understanding that the individual has a genius in them, in that every single story that we get from, for example, indigenous TikTok, it's 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 there's a sacredness to it, you know. There is a, there is something much more valuable than, you know, than than just money to it. And 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 there comes, you know, it comes to this thing where like in the future we're gonna be looking at these at these stories, you know, these indigenous TikTok stories or these even like photographic stories or even films that we make at this moment as indigenous peoples. And then those descendants are gonna wonder, you know, how how are you how are you telling your story? And that's for me why I make so much of the things that I make and, and why I'm currently working on, on, on a project, you know, that, that is very personal about healing my inner child um, and through this passing of my father. I think that, um, that that is a place where I can, I can truly share everything I want to share is through, through, through a story, you know, and in this case, it's going to be a photo book. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that is is that is something that we can kind of riff on, Aaron and uh, and Isabel. But uh, yeah, I would like to kind of hear your thoughts on that too, and have any questions on that. Um, first of all, really like yeah, I really understand what you're saying, and um, going off of how you're talking about being really intentional about the stories that we're telling and the ways that we're telling them. Um, I know that you've thought about preventative storytelling versus reactive storytelling and so I was wondering if you could explain the difference between those two things and then um, talk about what led you to wanting to tell preventative stories over reactive stories Mm -hmm. yeah I I think I think in how we normalize storytelling specifically through through photographs um and 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 you know later on more on film but i think that you know when you look back at the you know what people call the masters of photography right like this you know this iconic man that went around the world and told these stories for the first time you know nobody had ever told or even more specifically like you start looking at the work of like edward s curtis and like jimmy nelson for example more 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 recently it's there's always this this underlying theme of of oh man like i really hope that these people don't die but if they do die i want to be the one that documents them for the last time because i want to you know so-called preserve you know who they are instead of why don't i change or why don't i ask myself why these people are dying and then try to do something about the fact that they're dying and 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 change those systems that are making them die. And I think that that is really where a lot of my, I guess you can say my passion for, for this is, is that um, instead of using photography or, or film or even virtual reality to react to something that could be preventable, 
I much rather I much rather anticipate it and 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 be proactive, right? If if I see something that it's not going to be um you know, this, yeah, it's something that's going to be um detrimental for for indigenous peoples and then I'm going to ask myself how can I make sure that not only do I do we share the story but also how can we make sure that that thing doesn't happen and and for example I can share this 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 recent um experience that I just had uh this weekend actually where I went to photograph a a community here near Portland near the Columbia River that basically have been you know, this place from their homelands left and right. And um, now they live near the river in this, in this government, you know, government piece of land that they gave them to, to live in. And they all live on trailers, right? They all, they don't have electricity, even though the dam that was made right next to their homelands gives electricity to Portland. Um, mm. But I was there and I was photographing with, with this community member and, and it was really uncomfortable, right? It was like, wait, hold on. Like, I don't want to contribute to, you know, perpetuating these ideas about indigenous peoples, these ideas of alcoholism and poverty and displacement. So one thing that happened, it was that this man uh, who lived on one of the trailers, who was friend with, with the person who was showing us, you know, the community and, and introducing us to the community, um, they were talking and he was, he was like, she was like, hey, you want to get a photo of, of you? Um, and he said, Hey sis, you know, I haven't, I haven't showered in a month. I don't really want anyone to photograph me. And then when, mm -hmm. when he said that, you know, that people that non-native people that were there with us, I think they, they never heard that before. Right. They never probably heard that, you know, you have a, you, do you have a choice in, in seeing how you're portrayed or, or, you know, how you look. And I think that for me, um, choosing not to, not to photograph, certain things and choosing to be not even choosing, but being respectful and honoring that person's wish that they don't want to be photographed that way. To me, that is preventing a lot of what we see, for example, in like places like national geographic, you know, where it's like, it's like people going to the community to take, I, mm -hmm. I want to regenerate. Like I want to, when I leave a place, I want people to be like, man, that was a really great experience. And I feel nourished instead of, wow, that person just came in and, and took photos of our community and is, you know, showing the, this poverty and then you're left with, you're, you're used. And I think that that is part of the, this re regeneration element of, of the practice is that it's about intention is why are you doing this and who are you doing it for? And I think that for me, I need, I always try to ground myself and really check myself on on how is this going to affect the people in the image and not just help you elevate your career or elevate your your craft i i don't care about that anymore <laughs> i you know if, if i'm gonna make something i need to make it make sure that there is rooted in in the people in the image and if not then i i you know i i politely say not to it and, and i you know lately i've been saying not to a lot of these things because i feel that just like with, you know, with the movement of, you know, in the reckoning with like the racist system that we live in last year with Black Lives Matter, I think that people are going to start realizing that soon with indigenous peoples and realizing that a lot of the stuff that people were taught to be normal are actually, um, you know, these this myths and these this creations of society. So 
when that happens, I don't, I, I really hope that people, which is already happening, people are paying attention a lot more, but I really hope that people start thinking about the whys of, okay, so these people live in party, so why? You know, oh, this person went to law school, why? You know, what was it about the process that affected those people to be in those situations? And how can we go deeper into the situation so that we don't just take from them, that we actually regenerate their lives as much as possible. And I think that this has to be a different, a different section, a different genre of photography that is photography about healing. You know, we have war photography. We have, you know, we give honors and, and awards and Pulitzer prizes to people for going to wars and documenting tragedy. Why can't we give people, you know, some form of recognition for, for regenerating through their craft, you know? Mm-hmm. We both looked at a lot of your work um, and um, that you've taken to different events and places and the work you did at Standing Rock. um, And I guess connected to this, what you were just saying, like when did you first recognize the importance that photographs can have in not only telling stories, but but I think uh, this piece around healing, an act of healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I think there was a a conscious and an unconscious... uh, understanding of that the uh the unconscious i actually just recently started thinking about a lot where where you know my father's a photographer and Hmm. oh he was a photographer and he um he will photograph like weddings and like baptisms and in these very small communities you know in guanajuato where we're from um, in mexico and and we will go out there to, to to photograph and then go develop the images like we were doing film and then a lot of the times my father would give away the photographs to people. He will give it, give it to them for free. And my mom would get so mad because he was like, what are you doing? Like, this is our <laughs> livelihood. You know, you can't give away the photos. But my dad would give away those photos. And then, because sometimes people didn't have enough money to pay for them. And then every time we'll come back to that community, we will be fed by so many people Mm. like we will be walking down the street like delivering photographs and people just invite us into their homes and like we never Mm. went hungry right and i think that you know for me lately you know realizing that that my father despite a lot of his a lot of his mistakes and a lot of his um trauma you know a lot of his addiction to alcohol um he was still showing me and, and modeling just these very small things that 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 did in, impact me as, as an adult, you know, that, that there was always this in my head, this always sense that, that you got to give it away in order to keep it, you know, that you, you mm-hmm. give it away. And, and that is in, it's in itself already part of, part of you because you gave it away. Um, so, so when I think that the other part where I, or the other moment where I felt that, that, you know, these, these things that I'm doing, you know, this, I guess you can call it art or, you know, journalism or whatever it is, um, was when I was living in Orange County in, in, in back in 2010. Um, and I was, 
using this film camera that my father gave me to kind of start, you know, I was healing through through that process because my, you know, I really hated photography uh, because of my dad. Mm. And when I, you know, when I picked up the camera, it was it was this moment where, I, you know, I realized that, that this same thing that I hated so much was the one thing that was going to help me heal. Um, so... Mm. Um, I was homeless when I was seven and then we don't have to really get into that, but, but I, I had a, you know, I had a soft spot in my, in my, in my heart for, for folks that are houseless, you know, for folks that don't have that, that sense of our house. And, um, I started hanging out with a lot of houseless folks in, in Orange County. And one day, one of the, one of the relatives there that was in the streets, he, he was really high on meth. He was really, really high on meth. And he was just teasing me, right? Uh, you know, as, as the guy with the camera, the guy that photographs, and he said, hey, like, you know, photograph me, like, make a portrait of me, you know? Like, he was, like, pushing me, very, very pushy. And he, and I photographed him. Um, and then he said, you got to print that and bring it back to me, like, very forcefully. So so I did. I was really young, and I was really scared. So I, I went ahead and did that. And <laughs> then I brought it back to him, and when he was sober, and he broke down, and he was... Mm. you know, saying, I don't really want to be this person anymore. Mm. And that's when I realized that a lot of the times just one, one perspective of, of who you are or, or what things are or what things could be is enough to, to help someone heal. I, I, I think people just want to be seen, to be honest. <laughs> I think people just want to be acknowledged at, at, the, at the very core level. We just want to be, held whether it is by our community by our parents by our friends by the world really and i think that that's what happened for me when i realized you know that that this could be useful before that i knew i knew it could be useful but to be honest there was a lot of um i guess you can say like indoctrination of of you know, going to, I try to go to school. I try to go to college. I dropped out of high school and then I tried to go to college for a little bit. I was taking this photography class and I just could not stand how much people were praising this man that went around the world and photographed like, you know, dying children, <laughs> you know, and didn't do anything about mm-hmm. it. Like to them, they're, what they were doing is photographing the thing but rather instead of doing something about the thing, you know, instead of saying, wow, did this child, it's, and you know, again, maybe this is more, more complicated than that, but, but in my head as a 20 year old, I was thinking, I, this makes no sense to me. You know, this is not, this is not normal. Um, and now that I'm getting older, you know, 10, 10 years later, 12 years later, I, I'm realizing that it's still not normal. And I think that that's why we, as we have gone through last year and, and, kind of questioning a lot of our sense of who we are as people and who we are, you know, as, you know, so-called nation or, or even, even our own communities, you know, um, we need, we need to like reframe it and reimagine it and, and, and see what the possibilities are. Like I said, I do believe that, that there are practitioners, I guess you can call them or, or yeah, people that practice the art of healing and they, you know, some, I just happened to practice it through photography and storytelling. Um, but, but yeah, that, that's that. Um, I guess that's, that's my answer to, to that's my long answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that answer. No, I, I really appreciate that. And, and thank you for the sharing those stories. Um, 
there's so much wrapped up in there, right? And and so I appreciate that. Um, Isabel, did you have a question you wanted to ask? Yeah, I, I also really appreciate that answer. Um, but I guess thinking about when you're making these photographs, when you, um, do you just like let the images come to you or do you go out and seek a story? Um, in other words, like, how do you know what stories to tell or what stories you're supposed to be telling? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that at first when I started using, you know, photography and, and picked up the camera, um, there's, there's always been an intuition element to this. So very much just allowing myself to organically fall into places and into people's lives and for people to fall in, into my life and, and cross paths. And, and so far it's been, it's been, it's been a magical journey, to be honest, that, that there's people that I met when I first started doing this, that, that led me to another person that led me to another person that led me to a community, you know, that led me to ceremony that led me to understanding protocols <laughs> you know, that led me to like showing up to Standing Rock and having a, a little bit of a better sense of what to do there, um, how, to, how to act, you know, how, how to be, you know, how to show up. I think that it's it's very much all connected. And, and, and it might be cliche for some folks, but it truly is for me that that is, it is all connected, that the people that I meet and I continue to to intuitively, you know, open up to, I guess you can say I don't really think about it too much, to be honest. I, I even doing you know interviews like this, I there's just like a sense of like, oh, that feels good. Oh, that I don't know, that doesn't feel that great. So maybe I shouldn't do it. And then I just do it if if I feel like I'm I'm like my intuition tells me that it's like it's a thing that is gonna be not only helpful for myself, but really what it is is that I often feel that when we share from our hearts and we do from our hearts that you're already planting seeds for others to like maybe relate to it or maybe others to get inspired by it or even sometimes we just need to hear that one person that says that it's doable especially as indigenous peoples i didn't grow up with you know i grew up with people around me telling me that it was impossible a lot of times you know it was like oh well you're just gonna end up working in a factory or you're just gonna end up working in the kitchen and i did those things and then I realized, wow, there's so much more to it than, than what I was told. And that's why I do these things. And that's really, you know, how, how I choose to, to, I guess, participate, if you can call it that. If, you know, if, if my participation is, is required or has been, you know, someone asked me to participate on something, which is often the time to, most of the time that is how things go down, to be honest, is there's, you know, there's either a movement or there's either a, a beautiful story or there's, you know, a beautiful community that is doing beautiful things or, you know, people just invite me and they say, hey, you know, they send me an email. Hey, this is happening. I'd love to know if you want to come down and, and check it out. And um, and I usually, you know, like I said, I usually go to that compass in, inside of me to tell me this is something that I should be part of. And there are a lot of times that, there are, that I say no, right, that I'm like, hey, maybe I'm not a great fit. But we do have this list of indigenous photographers, you know, indigenous photographs that, that we created this database. And I'll be like, maybe, you know, maybe you should check out this photographer. Maybe they, they understand the story way better than I do, you know, and, and then and then we direct them to them. Um, 
and a lot of the times when it comes down to like for example like um publications or or corporations even you know like brands like reaching out saying hey we really want to do this thing with you it's the same exact thing i i, I just rely on I rely on my on my intuition and then I go to to the council of of you know elders that are yeah that I can I can check in with and say hey I'm doing this project you know we're not checking on it and and that is really my compass right like going always back to the community that I know that that has my best interest in mind you know and that 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 wants me to wants me to grow and and it wants me to also just just do what I do best in the most genuine way possible you know because i do feel that there is you know a lot of the times in in taker culture you know that there is a little bit of that you know like filling in the the gap right or like oh we need an indigenous person so like we kind of you know find the one that like comes on google search down the top you know um and that just happens and and i and i don't want to be part of things like that i think that it's it's yeah. always very like I'm thinking about the long term of these things, right? So like for example, this podcast or this conversation, it's you know, it's gonna be relevant for us in twenty twenty one. But I mean I'm thinking about it in like ten years, right? Like what if someone in ten years hears this and they're in a place where they need to hear this? And then how beautiful is that that we didn't just try to fill in a box or a void, but rather we were amplifying. And then I really think that that's where my work is going now is that I'm trying to amplify because my father passing away made me realize that we don't live forever, but Hmm. that our our actions and our work and our hopes and visioning could resonate through time and and it will resonate Mm -hmm. through time. I mean, yeah, in a hundred years, what are our descendants gonna be wondering about about twenty twenty one or twenty twenty? It's like, like, wait, how was that? And then, are we gonna have the courage to say, "Hey, let me," let, I, we we document our stories, you know, we we amplify those stories and and we preserve them for you, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's where I'm at right now. Is is it's very much amplification and ambition in in projecting that that vision to the future you know yeah yeah I, I guess connected to that like what like what, what's the aspect of 2021 or, you know, your lifetime that, you know, generation or two down the road, like, what is it you hope that they can hold on to? Mm-hmm. If, if I was to be, if I was to use one word, I guess, I like using one word for things a lot. Um, <laughs> it will be the word dignity. Mm. I really want future generations to remember that we had dignity. Mm. Because when I look back at the work of, like for example, like Edward S. Curtis, or like even Jimmy Nelson. Like I said, and again, I only say these these names because these are the things that had high impact in society, right? But there's so many other people that that continue to go to indigenous communities, and and thinking that they're amplifying their voice, but rather they're extracting from the community. And I think that for me, as a storyteller, as, as a, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I'm just a person, like as a person, I want people to feel good. 
I want people to be like, wow, you came here even though we're in this tiny little trailer with no electricity, no windows, and things are all over the place. You came here and sat with me and looked them in the eyes and listened to me. And, and, and at that point, that's where our dignity blossoms mm-hmm. because we all have that dignity and we all have the right to that dignity. I think that to me, it's so important that people in the future know that we were not only resilient, but we were also respectful to ourselves and honoring ourselves, right? Like modeling that, what what would it could look like you know what can we look like in the future what we're modeling him right now <laughs> like i'm modeling that with my son when my father pa- my, when my my grandfather passed away my father started drinking when my father passed away i'm gonna go make a photo book mm. it's, it's literally that simple it's that if we model dignity for our children then their descendants are going to model dignity, <laughs> you know, but, but then a lot of the times is we just need a tiny bit of someone caring enough to listen to your story and to help you amplify your story for future generations to be affected. I mean, I remember being a little kid, you know, and, and people from the U S will go to our little town and uh, like, you know, they will photograph us as if we were like zoo animals, mm. like, straight up not even talking to us just like oh look there's a dark enough person that are probably indians you know mm-hmm. or you know indio that's what we they call them in mexico and and then you know take something from us and and you know i i do understand that my dignity was scratch and the dignity of my mother was scratch and my father but that's why i'm doing what i'm doing because i think that it wasn't broken, and 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 I, and I think that is one one thing I guess you can say with with image making is that we we can rebuild so much when we allow people to tell their own story. We can re, like you know go back in time and you know rearrange There's those stories that we tell ourselves, and then we can come and and envision like those stories that. We want those future generations to, to you know, to make into reality. Um, yeah, I guess that's the answer to that. Yeah, thank you. I just really want to know how you define indigenous futurism, because um, I know that that could be dependent on the person. I think it's it's something that I've just started hearing about and learning about, so I'm I'm really interested in that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I I was inspired by many amazing, you know, folks that are doing work around this theme of indigenous futurism. You know, this this idea, this I guess you can say like uh, philosophy, you know, whatever whatever people want to call it. Um, Santiago X is one of those people. Uh, he's based out of I think Chicago actually. Um, Jade mm-hmm. Bigay inspired me a lot. Um, with her work and, and how she did a lot of work in Standing Rock and then also continues to do a lot of amazing work. Um, Chanupa, he's, he's just, you know, one of those people that really inspires me. Uh, but for me, as I was looking through, you know, the, the work that other people are doing and then started, 
you know, reflecting on what does this mean to me? And ultimately, what it, what it came down to so far is that I see us in the future, that I do see a future for us as Indigenous peoples. And I, I guess to take it farther is I see a future that is shaped by us and also is reimagined by us. And it's a future that it's grounded in our traditional teachings as much as it's grounded in the ambitioning of future technologies. You know, I think that for me, when I think about, for example, the words that we use to, you know, to describe the photograph, the photographic like process, like shooting or taking or subjecting or capturing, I think about how we can, you know, we can envision new language for the future. Like I, I want us to be speaking our languages in films in the future and they have to translate them into English. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, I'm, that is how, that's what indigenous futurism really means to me is that we reimagine, we decolonize these, these, a lot of these systems and then we build them into something new and it, it might be named something different. It might not be called photography anymore. It might not be called filmmaking anymore. You know, it might be something else, but, um, but we had a seat at the table and if we didn't have a seat at the table, then we created our own table and, and we continue with the legacy, you know, of, of our ancestors. And there's this one, this one beautiful quote, um, from one of our great, um, leaders, you know, in the Mexica culture, Cuauhtémoc, who said, you know, at the very least we will leave flowers at the very least we will leave songs. And for me, when I think about that, it's, that is indigenous futurism. Our ancestors were indigenous futurists <laughs> and they were, they were leaving mm. this world for us and ambitioning this world for us. So I guess I'm just following the, the, the path of my ancestors and listening to the songs of my descendants and calling me home. You know, that's really why I think about that. Thank you. Yeah. I really love that. Also, the creating our own table is really sticking in my mind too and like creating our own spaces and things and everything so thank you yeah definitely um one thing to add to that is imagine virtual reality right like right now there's this whole movement that has reemerged about land back like imagine imagine what the virtual world like the virtual world is a place where I guess you can say like settle mentality is, is the norm and we can go in there and reclaim that space. Like I go into this like Oculus, like, you know, you can go to a concert and then you're in a concert and you're like, wait, what if we had a protest here? What if a bunch of us got on Oculus and we had a protest, right? right? Or what if we reclaim this and name the, you know, a different, in, we didn't call it Chicago, we call it the name of how the indigenous folks from there called it. You know, and it's, it's really interesting because technology is, as we, as we merge with technology, I, I think that indigenous folks are going to have such a different perspective on how to use that technology. And, and, and we have to be active on it. It's like, it's our responsibility to, to be active in shaping how we use those technologies. Because if, if we don't, I really think that we're going to have like a 2.0 of colonization, right? Like 
imagine going to other worlds or other planets and we use the same tactics that we use you know in for example in this part of the hemisphere or you know and how can we not do that you know and that's like a big hope of mine too with indigenous futurism is it's almost like teaching um ourselves to be accountable to how we use technology and that's why i love this tiktok idea right like indigenous tiktok is is, is like an organic platform that, that that became a place where indigenous folks are able to share and yeah you know we still see them as just like oh you're just like posting your videos about your language that's cute but it's like no they're active and i think that i guess to finish it off mm-hmm. is like that is what indigenous futurism means to me is that that we're coherent you know that we have this coherency about the fact that we are indigenous and then we act on it and and then through that we're already becoming those those futurists you know just thinking about the future thank you for that um and i also appreciated the the comment or the notion that our ancestors were futurists too as they were planning for us and thinking about us in the future i just i think that's really beautiful um uh, Josue, thank you so much for speaking with us and talking with us. I really appreciated this conversation. Um, where can folks find some information? Yeah, just go to josuerivas.co. Um, and yeah, that's where you go find all my links to, to the work and just to the different projects that I'm that I'm part of. And and yeah, on, on Instagram, Josue underscore F-O-T-O. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Us, Unscripted Stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Support for this podcast is provided by Joe Scaletti, Emma Salam, Saeed Rezko, Sydney Hastings, and Jeanette Rojas. With support from Alicia Solier, Isabel St. Arnold, Aaron Golding, and Linda Luck. Subscribe to hear more from Us.